Hi, I'm J.W. Oliver, and we are bringing a hashtag do hard stuff to you today. We're going to be able to do a little recap on our Mount Everest base camp trip a couple of weeks ago. I've got Mr. Kevin Brooks. How are you, Mr. Kevin? I'm wonderful. How are you? Man, life is just fantastic. I got no complaints. I also have Mr. Heath Lambeth with us, with us, hard to say. <laughs> hey guys, glad to be here. And then I've got the illustrious Ruva who is handling, who handles all of our podcasts as well as she built all those wonderful videos on Everest Base Camp. They one through seven and then what do we call that? Or what? Yeah, one through seven and then eight, nine, eight, nine, ten or something. So, yeah, we kind of skipped the last one. How are you, Ruva? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to being on this. You bet. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, we're going to make it a lot of fun. So, uh, what we decided to do is we're going to let Ruva talk about the trip. And then, obviously, Kevin has a lot of insight to add as well as he. Uh, we're missing Terry, who went with us as well. We don't want to forget Terry Thompson from uh, Oklahoma City, who participated in our event as well. So, Ruva, I'll let you kick this off, and we're going to really focus on the trip, uh, what it took to do it, why we did it, and, and Ruva, I'll let you take it away. Thank you, JW. So, I mean, we have to find out how it all started, what what made you um, all want to do this? And when did the idea of doing this start? I, I think I can answer that originally and Kevin may have to help me with the year, but originally uh, I came to Kevin, what Kevin was that 2014, I believe, is that right? Yep, 2014. Yeah, some, some 2014 is when we had scheduled to do it and some events, came about that we just we couldn't do it uh and then it kind of fast forwarded all the way to 2020 and uh I was going to do it with my my friend David Wilhelm who we lost uh, a year and a half ago and and uh COVID got us about a week before we were leaving and uh we pushed it to 2021 COVID got us again uh, and then it pushed to 2022 so yeah, we departed on, I think it was March 20th and, and set out on that endeavor. But that was, I, I don't even know, Kevin, how did we get into that conversation about that? I, I think it seemed like I just contacted you and said, we need to hike to base camp. And I don't, I'm not quite so sure what instigated that. Uh, we were sitting at the office just visiting and we, it just came up. So that'd be fun. Let's do that. And a friend of mine had just gotten back. And so that's kind of, so we contacted that outfitter, guide service, and just started looking into it. And then we had scheduling conflict and had to reschedule. So, yep, I remember I even bought my boots back then. I went and bought a pair of those Mindo boots. I remember calling you saying, hey, are these Mindo good boots? You said, yeah. And so luckily I got those wore in on a few trips before that. So, uh, Ruva, I hope that answers your question. It does. It really does. And um, very fascinating. So years later, or well, you end up doing the trip and I'm sure you all had to prepare for it. I mean, this is not uh, an easy thing to do. Um, it's just something that 20,000 people every year do, considering we have 
um, over 7 billion people in the world. So um, how did you all prepare for this um, uh, trek? Uh, maybe we could start with um, Heath. How did you prepare? Um, well, I would say that I was probably out of all of them, probably the, the uh, um, most out of shape. And so when, when all this came about and, and decided that, yeah, I was going, I, I definitely had to uh, change a lot, change a lot in my lifestyle, I had to change the way I, the way I ate, um, change my, you know, attitude and that afternoon activities, uh, started making sure going to the gym every day. And, um, you know, and then also making sure that my feet can handle the trip. So just putting, putting my feet on the ground and moving and, and uh, getting the miles in before we started going. Wow, that's, that's quite amazing. And um, Kevin, how did you prepare for this? Well, I, I tell people I've been preparing my whole life because I've always wanted to do it. But uh, we, we work out a lot. But to get ready for the trip, probably six to 12 months ago, we really kicked up a lot more cardio, did a lot of Stairmaster a couple of days a week. I'd hit the Stairmaster. You can't do enough Stairmaster. <laughs> and, and then uh, I, would, I would load up a backpack, probably about 65, 70 pounds, and go hike up and down, run up and down some hills down on the Brazos River bottom, and uh, just as much hills as you could get with a heavy backpack. You, obviously, you're not going to carry that much. But uh, And then my son, well, the whole office, we work out together every day at lunch. But he said, oh, we got to get your butt in good shape, Dad. So uh, we started doing a Murph every Monday, which was really hard. And uh, we got there. It, you have to be in great shape. So it number one, it's hard. You know, 40 miles, we climb, what, 24,000 feet, and that's about right. Uh, but people not just going to the summit, people die three to five people on average every year die getting to base camp. And I was reading, it can be as high as 10 to 15 people a year die just getting to base camp. So if you're not in good shape, you could have bad consequences. So I was actually worried. I'm not going to be in good enough shape. I was worried JW would be in better shape than me, <laughs> which, which, which obviously I was. <laughs> obviously obviously yeah you had to carry me you know so but yeah if, if you're not in good shape it's it's hard enough I can't imagine if you had not been preparing it'd have been awful very very insightful and let's just throw in some stats here so uh, Mount Everest Base Camp is nearly 17,700 feet, and in comparison, it's only 1,500 feet lower than uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, and it's also about 11,300 feet below Everest's peak, so this is not an easy climb, it's not an easy trick, and um, for our listeners, we, we must understand how incredible um, what was achieved here was because it's it's quite the trick um jw just for you to throw in some insights on how you prepared well first of all i didn't know people died going to base camp or i would have never gone kevin you didn't <laughs> tell me that stat prior i'm just now learning that so no i, I can actually Why see how do that happens there's no chance of dying yeah, yeah. If there's no if it's not hard stuff don't do it right that's right do hard stuff no i, I think it really um you know, I can see that. I can see how people could could die up there. I mean, uh, there was a lot of difficult times, as Kevin mentioned. I, me personally, I was 
<clears throat> I uh, actually engage with a personal trainer about two or three days a week, probably six weeks prior to, um, but I was already, you know, running. I did a half marathon back in December. And so my running and my cardio was probably pretty good. But then I stepped up as, as Kevin mentioned, I mean, I, I hate the Stairmaster and, and, and I used to do Stairmaster for 10, 15 minutes and think, man, I'm done. And I was at the end there, I was at least twice a week, if not three days a week, I was going for two hours on that Stairmaster because I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is not going to be fun. Uh, and I think we could all attest to, to day two, uh, you, you were able to figure out if your Stairmaster worked or not because uh, it, it got hard uh, and it got hard fast. So uh, absolutely, uh, it, it, it took a lot of uh, determination and planning to, um, to, to get yourself ready for that. And, and mentally, I think, you know, if you went up there with the idea you're going to fail, then you probably are. So I, I think it was not only physically, but getting mentally prepared too. So speaking of preparations, um, Heath, what gear did you need to come with for this trick um could you just take us through some of the important gear you had to take with you a small car loan would be what you need for that <laughs> yeah yeah when uh when we actually got the gear list and start and printed it off um it was three pages long and uh and my plan was to pretty much put everything that was on that list in in my bag and um from from what uh, regular clothes to um, kind of lighter clothes to to heavier jackets and and uh, and thermal clothes to, and then then of course um, all your trekking gear that you need um, and so and then then you need your some snacks and foods and energy bars and and, uh, and along with all your toiletries and and um, I mean your pack starts getting pretty big, pretty fast. Uh, I will say that, uh, I believe JW did a video on it, but there there's, you get to the top of the mountain, you realize ah, I didn't probably need all that stuff that I brought, but you, uh, definitely glad you brought it all just, uh, just in case. Uh, I don't think anybody ever pulled out any of their duct tape or anything. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a few things that, that weren't needed, but, uh, but the list was very long and, and, uh, you double check it and triple check it and, and uh, just want to always make sure you're prepared. Nice. Very nice. And um, let's be honest here, just a bit honest. Who was the slowest? <laughs> I'll take slowest. Terry's not on the call, right? Terry was the slowest. <laughs> Terry was by far the slowest. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, I would, uh, I would say that Terry was always in the lead. Um, Kevin was pretty much always right behind Terry up there. And then me and Jada, we just kind of hung back in the back and took a lot of pictures and a lot of videos and chatted and, and, uh, and had a good time. So, uh, but yeah, that's about the usual uh, daily ground was. <laughs> that everybody, yeah. Everybody on the team was very strong. Everybody did great. Yeah. And I, I would, I would add that that's, that's, you know, the one thing they tell you right out front, uh, your guide does is it's not a race, you know, uh, you're going to hike somewhere between five and eight hours a day on the very long days. And it's not a race. And I think that's something we, we just always kept in mind, you know, is, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Terry probably is the strongest to be quite honest. She was always ahead of us and she's just that way. I, I, 
I don't know what Terry looks like from the front. I just know what she looks like from the back because I've never seen her face. She's always way ahead of me. But, uh, you know, uh, I think it, it definitely is not a race for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's true. It, it's never a race, but the beauty of it is... Hey, is wait a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Terry Thompson just popped on the right in the middle of our podcast, and we were just telling, oh, she's trying to get on, so don't tell her that... Please don't tell Terry that we said she was the slowest. I didn't realize... <laughs> well, we're, we're recording now, but we were just talking about you. Ruba's asking some questions, and so... Uh, it uh, looks like you just got out of another workout, so we're all behind again. <laughs> well, Ruba, there's Terry. You can ask her some questions too now. Welcome, Terry. So, Terry, we were actually just um, talking about you, and in your opinion, who was the slowest? <laughs> oh, wow. I don't think it matters. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. Um, maybe we could move on to the snacks you you all ate. Um, we'll start off with Terry since she just joined. What snacks did you take with you? Um, well, I didn't take a ton of snacks, but I had some beef jerky, some um, oh, what do you call the little um, jelly belly things? Anybody remember the name of them? Oh, yeah. I thought they were Jelly Bellies, not Jelly Bellies. No, the hiking little, um, I always use them when I hike. They're like little um, sugar. The gel? No, they're gel. Mm. They're gummies, kind of. <laughs> Anyways, I'll think of the name of them here she in a minute. She obviously I didn't share those with us. Yeah, no. I I'll help you out, but I didn't get any. <laughs> I always I hike because they give you a burst of energy. But um, that's about it. I didn't bring a lot of snacks because they fed us all the time. Yeah, that's great. And yourself, JW, um, did you take along any sort of snacks with you? Yeah, I had about 30 Stingers. pounds worth of snacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was most of my weight. No, I, I did. Uh, well, I, I was taking the UCAN, which is a supplement. I was taking two scoops, which is a super starch, kind of gives you some uh, four to six hours worth of energy. So I was taking those. And then, yeah, I had some little bars uh, that we took. But as Terry pointed out, uh, we were we were eating a big breakfast in the morning. We were stopping somewhere at lunch and having a nice lunch. And then it was a big dinner. So we we weren't starving. That was for sure. Uh, and 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 we we ate a lot but 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 the snacks were the snacks were definitely a nice change of pace uh um uh, the only thing i would recommend bringing next time i just now thought about this is syrup please bring syrup for your pancakes because they yes. made pancakes everywhere but nobody had syrup it's the little things that's that's a really good pointer and and kevin um just just to think about this but um for you what what surprised you the most about Everest Base Camp? Just the whole um, day one till the last day, what what sort of surprised you the most? The uh, I, I'd actually dreamt of going for a long time. It's, it's been like a bucket list. And so the I wasn't really surprised 
by the surroundings, the scenery. It was incredible. The, the, the Himalayan mountains are surrounded. It was incredible. I've had, as much as I'd read and watched stuff on online, I wasn't really surprised. The one thing that surprised me more than anything is as you go through the valley, you're going up the Kumbu Glacier and we get higher and higher up into the mountains. There was more civilization than I thought. Uh, you'd, you'd be trucking along down a river in a canyon and there'd be a little tea house where you could have lunch and have hot tea. And we're like, how did they build this? I mean, there's no roads. You can't, I mean, you either porters or somebody carries it on their back or helicopter and they've built a little restaurant up in the middle of the mountains. And I knew there was little villages along the way, but there was more civilization up high in the mountains than I expected. So that was the one thing that, and these people live there. They're incredible people. The people of Nepal were precious. We never met a single jerk. Everybody was so nice. Uh, the, the only jerk we, we met was at the hotel and we think they were from India. And so uh, the, the people of Nepal were just great, just amazing people. And how these Sherpas and the porters perform, they're carrying a load the size of a small car on their back and we're breathing hard and just barely, barely making it and they pass us on the trail. These people were amazing. And then they go up there and build little villages and, and live there. It, it's, that was more surprising to me than anything. Absolutely amazing. And JW, if you could talk a bit about the guide that you had or the guides rather that you had, how, how were they? Yeah, we, we were lucky. Uh, we think we got a really good guy, Sabine. Uh, he was actually going to try to be on here today, but he's on a, another uh, trek in Annapurna area. So he was not able to, uh, to join in, but he was really good. You know, he was knowledgeable. Uh, I, 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 he was very encouraging. Number one, he, uh, he, they never told you too much information. They would typically in the morning uh, or the day before they would tell you what to expect that next day uh, or that day. And, uh, but he was very knowledgeable of the mountains. He, and, and I think in a, in a strange way, he was very in tune with, with our physical condition and things that may be affecting us. And we didn't even realize it. Like I remember Heath uh, one time was, wasn't feeling good. We were coming into Dingboche, I think, and the wind was blowing, it was cold. And he said, Oh, you need to pull up your, uh, um, your, your hoodie and, and put your hat on backwards. The wind's getting to the back of your neck and that's going to make you feel bad. And I don't know, Heath, you could comment on that, but a few minutes later, he flipped it around and said, oh, I feel yeah. great. So he was really, he, he knew a lot of little, little stuff that I was quite surprised of. Amazing. Uh, Heath, do you have anything to add on, on top of what JW had, has said? No, yeah, I, I think the same thing. Like, you know, that was, I was worried I was getting altitude sickness, you know, and you, you, you start kind of putting thoughts in your head like that, and you don't really want that kind of stuff. And, um, cause you need, you know, to be positive all the way up the mountain. And so for him, just kind of know that little stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, sure was nice. And then also another thing that I thought was kind of interesting, you know, we, we kind of, we would just question him on and on at the mountain and be like, well, what do you, you know, compare, you know, compare us to other people that you've taken on the trip, you know, are we, you think that we're going to make it up here? All right. And, and his question every time was, if you think you're going to make it, you're going to make it like, you need to make sure you, you, you are, you uh, have the right mindset. And if you have the right mindset, you're going to make it and you'll be fine. And so 
uh, I, I liked a lot of his answers to to some of our questions that we were nagging him about, I guess, going up the mountain. That's amazing. Sounds like a very inspiring guy. Um, very inspiring. And there was a lot of bouchers, ding boucher, low boucher. Um, Terry, which boucher did you like the most? I bet I can answer that one. Um, well, gosh, I don't know. I can think of one I didn't really like that much. Coffee, 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 oh, coffee. Well, that was a great spot, too. Was that low boucher? That was Dingbo Shea. Oh, that was Dingbo Shea? Yeah, what was, was the, the highest Dingbo Shea? Lobo oh. Shea, it was closed when we got there. The bakery was closed. So the Dingbo Shea was the highest bakery. The bakery was awesome. I love Dingbo Shea. I was thinking of the last place we spent the night. That oh, was Gorge. 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 That wasn't a Bo Shea, sorry. Yeah, Dingbo Shea <laughs> was awesome. That was like for sure the highlight of our trip because we had like a normal cafe with normal pastries and an actual espresso made out of an espresso machine not um, powdered milk <laughs> you know so it was great oh, that's good and Kevin um in terms of local dishes did you come across any local dishes that you liked I had a lot of dalbot. So dalbot is a plate with a giant pile of rice in the middle, steamed rice. And then you'd have lentils, like a lentil soup and like a curry. I don't know what, some curry something. And it always have cabbage or spinach. And you just kind of mix it together. And then the good thing about dalbot, it's all you can eat. They just keep bringing it to you. And uh, uh, Sabine, our guide, he had it every day, but I went ahead and, you know, I would change and there's some other stuff called Sherpa stew, which would have rice and noodles and potatoes and maybe some cabbage or spinach and few, but there was no meat. We didn't eat meat. There's no refrigeration up on the mountain. So you could get really sick. And so the Sherpa stew was good. I had a lot of Dalbot, but now that we're back in the States, I don't really want any rice for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And Heath, anything that you like or actually didn't like in terms of local food? Um, I don't, yeah, I don't, honestly, I really don't know that I came across anything that I did like. Um, I, I thought, yeah, I thought really their meals were very well, probably even better than what I was expecting going up the mountain. Um, uh but just in any sense when you you get seven eight days or more of it you uh, kind of get just tired of it and so uh there's only so much you can eat of something good until it just turns bad but uh but the yeah no i, I actually I, I didn't come across anything that I, I didn't enjoy or trying out for sure that's so good to hear and if each of you could give me a local phrase that you all learned. I mean, you were there for a few days. Surely you each learned, um, you know, one namaste. local phrase. Yeah, namaste. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Um, oh, that's great. And JW? Uh, do hard stuff. I learned that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not, not, I think all we heard really was 
uh, namaste. I mean, that, that really is what they say, you know, so it was, it was quite frequent. I, I'm, I'm guessing we all heard that multiple times. Okay, no, that's 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 good enough. I think the the listeners will will remember Namaste, and also, so you or you decided to to return um, using the helicopter. What sort of led to that decision? Maybe I can throw that to Terry. Oh wow! JW <laughs> <laughs> um, started talking about taking the helicopter down about day one. <laughs> when it got hard it's like no way i'm coming back down this no i don't know i i was fighting it the whole way i was like nope i came to hike this whole thing and then every night they stuck to their guns we're, we're taking a helicopter we're taking a helicopter so um the higher you get the worse you feel um when you can't sleep and i haven't slept for five nights i finally said helicopter's a great idea <laughs> I, and so i'll add you, on to that interesting about the helicopter i mean the only reason i started it was, it was not the cold it was that second day we went up about two hundred and forty thousand steps and i thought oh my gosh i gotta come down those that's just a pounding on my knees because the going down for me is way harder than going uh, well not harder but it's more painful and so i was like hey i think this helicopter is an option but i, I will say by the time i was on about day six or seven, you know, I, I think it needs to be mentioned. We weren't sleeping by the last two or three nights, maybe even at least the last two nights, but three nights for sure. You know, you, you go to sleep at 14 or 15,000 feet and your body falls asleep and I guess relaxes a little bit. And then you, you wake up full of anxiety because you can't breathe. Uh, you're, you know, hyperventilating a little bit. And it's, it's a little, it's a little spooky the first time it happens to you. Uh, and it happened with, me when I was with Terry in Peru. So I was, I was kind of anticipating it because I knew it had happened to me at a lower altitude. But yeah, I think the last three days when uh, for sure at Lobache and then at Gorakshep and you're just not sleeping and you're cold and everything's looks like the moon around you. There's no, you know, it's just very desolate. You finally are like, I need to go down. And, and I'll add one thing interesting. We left at Gorakshep, which is over 17,000 we had to go in two different groups because of the weight in the helicopter, that altitude. Uh, so Terry and I and Heath went down first and we got out at 15,000 feet and it was almost like we were at sea level. I mean, literally you got 2000 feet down and went, Oh, I can breathe here now. So, you know, your body was acclimating going up and then as it came down. And then of course, by the time we got to Lukla, which was at 9,000 feet, my goodness, we could all breathe and it was warm. And so, yeah, that helicopter ended up being, uh, um, it wasn't cheating. It was just a quick way down. Oh yeah. It's two days down. It's all downhill, but I will say this, the helicopter ride was awesome. We lift off, we flew over Gorak ship. There's yaks, there was tents and we turned and we flew right down the Kumbu glacier. It was part of a highlight of the whole trip the helicopter ride was just incredible it was amazing wow that sounds incredible i've actually seen a few videos on on youtube of people who literally just 
um, take the helicopter to base camp and then take the helicopter back as well. So it's just amazing that um, you were all able to actually take that trek. Um, you could have also just, you know, taken the helicopter straight to the base camp. So I think you should all be very proud of yourselves. And if I could go to Kevin, um, how has this transformed your life? I mean, there's, there's Kevin before EBC and there's Kevin after EBC. How has this transformed who you are as a person? I have a greater appreciation for the United States and Texas. And, I, you know, I had been to Mexico several times. I've been all over the United States. I've never really been out of the country. And so it, it's a beautiful place, natural resources. It's an incredible country, Nepal. I love Nepal. I'd love to go back. I already want to go back. But it is a third world country. And when we got home, you know, people take for granted what they have. And, you know, our poorest people in America live like kings compared to a lot of people around the world. And people take that for granted and they shouldn't. And I guess I maybe did take it for granted to a degree. And so I have a much greater appreciation of the things we have. Oh, that's incredible. Actually, this is a question I'm going to ask each of you, but um, before I ask uh, everyone else, JW, I saw you posting pictures of the toilets in uh, Nepal during your trip. Um, what were those like? I mean, that's quite a, an adjustment from what you're used to back home. Well, thank goodness they didn't have all those that were level with the floor. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's theories how that is better for you and healthier for you to, to squat like that, if you will. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's another thing Kevin pointed out is uh, Heath can even attest to there was one of those toilets that was you went into and you, you looked down through it and it just literally went down the hill and was, you know, dumping down the hill. So I, I think we don't realize the, um, the, the privilege we have to live in this country and we should never take that for granted because uh, what we have, the, the, the benefits we have every day, you know, some of the things that we were ready to leave and get back to our comfortable life, or at least the, the, the Hyatt uh, Hotel, uh, was or Hyatt Place Hotel was things that they have to endure every day, day in, day out, and it's just part of their daily life. So, um, uh, and that going back to your toilets, that would be uh, true as well. And, and the toilets were very cold too. There was never any heating in any of the uh, <laughs> bathrooms. <laughs> Wow, that's that's quite an informative and insightful. And for you, JW, how how has this transformed you? And I know this trip meant so much to you, um, especially, you know, um, you're supposed to go on this this trek with um, David as well. So how has this transformed you as an individual? Yeah, I, I think it was about seeing it through because that was, you know, David and I put that high on our list, and we kept pushing it forward and. Uh, you know, losing him was, was, was really tough, but I, I wanted to, I think there was something in the back of my head when I was, you would get that little nudge in your head to quit. You'd say, wait a minute, uh, David would be up there running with Terry. So I better keep up and, and, and try to make sure I finish as well. So, yeah, I think just finishing it for, uh, you know, with him, if you will, um, was, was big. And then to me, it's, it's also just teaching yourself that, most of the things we endure in life are really not that hard. 
most of the things we think are just so terribly difficult are really not that hard. And, and when you see not only the hardships or difficulty in making that climb, preparing, making that climb or that hike, that trek, whatever you even call it, um, I, I think you realize that most of the things we're dealing with in life are, are, are pretty minimal. So it helps me minimalize all the hardships we may go through on an everyday that really aren't that difficult. Hmm. Very, very inspiring. And for you, Heath, as well, um, what key lessons did you learn from this trick? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very happy that I did this because health-wise, it was a, a, a major transformation for me and to, you know, to make sure I get my get my health back on track and get get back into a, a, a standard of fitness that I think uh, that that has uh, been avoiding me in, uh, for quite some time. But uh, I'm, I'm coming with Kevin. Like, I mean, you, you I, I haven't got to travel much out of the United States. And so to be able to see a, a third world country and, and to see how other people live and, and, um, and how far, you know, we are along and the amenities that we have that we enjoy without even realizing it. Um, you know, we, we take a granted, take for granted a lot of stuff and, uh, and it, it's kind of puts a lot of things in perspective, you know, especially when you get back and, and, um, you, you know, just want to make some changes in your life to, to be more appreciative and, and thankful for what you got for sure. That's so good to hear. So good to hear. And for you, Terry, as well, lastly, how has this transformed um, you as a person? Um, I think for me, I love adventure. I love traveling. I travel a lot. Um, so I wasn't necessarily surprised at the third world country um, you know, being just that, um, no, no American amenities and just dirty and stinky in some ways. And, um, but I love adventuring parts of God's creation I haven't seen before. Um, I love that God is so creative and, uh, I, the Himalayas were astounding um, but I also, um, pushed, you know, like pushing myself past what you think you can do. And that's what we all did here, I think. And it shows you what you're capable of. Um, I wanted to see what it felt like to be that high and, um, see how my body would react and, um, pushing myself at that altitude. And I enjoyed that, even though it was really hard. So, um, you know, for me, it's just um, we're capable of a lot more than we think we are, and um, we God gives us with health and the ability to take care of our bodies, and um, we should honor that and um, take care of it so that we can do things like this and not have limitations. So um, I think that's mostly what it did for me. 
Wow, that's very inspiring for me personally, just hearing you say that. Um, it just makes me really appreciate um, God more. It, it makes me appreciate the human spirit, that determination that we can achieve whatever we put our minds to. And it's often when we are pushed that we actually then realize that we can actually do something. And I think EBC was pushing the limits, stretching you, but you all did it. And I think now you'll be able to tackle any challenge in life because if you can endure that, you can endure um, anything. So as we wrap this up, um, JW, for you, in terms of faith, um, just going through the seeing God's amazing creation, um, how did it change your perception of God as well? Yeah, I, I think it definitely... Um... You know, when we left, I, I had three objectives was to seek God's wisdom, to see his majesty and to sow siege for Jesus. And I was able to actually do all three. Um, and and I think I remember we were I think it was somewhere around day seven or something or six. I believe it was. We took a day hike. We left Dingbashay and we we hiked up to the first time we went over 15000 feet. And uh, we were at this point where we're looking around and, you know, you're looking at mountains all around you that were all 20,000 feet or higher or 18 or 19,000 feet in, in literally every direction. And I, I, I think it just solidified my belief that we have an amazing creator that created not only uh, the, the, the flatlands of, of Texas and the, uh, the mountains of Colorado, but the, the, the uh, Himalayas in, in Nepal. And I think it was just awe-inspiring for me to uh, to, to really, as, as Terry said, too, just to look around and see his majesty that was all around us. It just there's, there's no way you could believe in a, a Big Bang theory from that perspective as well. So it just really solidified that. No, thank you. Thank you all for, you know, I think you don't realize how many people you've inspired. It, it might seem like it was just a, you know, a trick you did, but the impact it has on a lot of people. I mean, just imagine me, I'm, I'm here in Zimbabwe, but I'm incredibly inspired. And it just reminds me again that we can do anything so long as we, we, we push ourselves. So um just to remember that you've actually inspired someone in another continent, um, in a small country in Southern Africa. So you've probably inspired people all over the world, which is just um, incredible. Um, JW, I'm not sure if you have anything you would like to add or any of you, if you have anything you'd like to add as we um, wrap this up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Kevin or Heath or Terry, feel free to, to add any points. To me, it was uh, something again, goes back to 2014 when thought of, and we kind of put it into action in 2000. Well, I guess, Terry, I think we all signed up in May of 2019 originally. So we're coming up on three years that we signed up. Um, and, and it was just fantastic. Again, I, I'm, I'm a little like, I'm not quite as far as where Terry is, but I'm kind of an ad adrenaline junkie, if you will. And I, I don't know if it's adrenaline to, to just do something continuous, but I always want to set that mind on something that's difficult that stretches you that makes you put you out of your comfort zone um and uh, i've done things that have but I, I would say base camp took you out of a lot of comfort zones not only physically but mentally and even for the creature comforts you know you didn't you didn't have a lot of those so uh, that that's what made it fantastic for me kevin i don't know if kevin or heath or terry would like to add on to that i just i 
had such a great time. It was awesome. Terry, Heath, JW, I loved going with you guys. Y'all were so much fun. It was an amazing trip. And I, I just, every day, I'm like, man, I can't believe we did that. It was so awesome. And uh, I'm ready for our next one. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I, yeah, I think it was, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I'm going, I was going to wrap it up, but you're right. Oh, no, I I, I, I was just going to say, you know, it, it was, it's one of those trips that everywhere you looked, it, it was just something extremely neat and um, foreign to see, you know, from, from flying in directly when we got over Nepal and you start seeing all those little farm communities below and how they, how they farm on the side of mountains and uh, to, to fly into Lukla to, to airport that you, you see on National Geographic as one of the most dangerous airports in the world, you know, and you, you start seeing things like that and then, and then get up there and uh, into the mountains and, and, uh, and you start noticing that there's no, no roads leading anywhere. There's no, uh, and so, all those people are just um, amazing people to me that that have the ability to live up there and 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 uh, do those things and then also just being able to see the see the mountains that you um, you know most people like I said only see on TV or in books and and to to get that experience is, is was just unbelievable and 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 the worst thing about it is trying to come back and explain it to people and, and put it in perspective of what you got to see and, and how wonderful it, it actually was. And um, kind of like Kevin said, uh, it, it was just as much of a joy to be uh, with this group of people and, and to get to know them and to see um, uh, different aspects of their life and how they are and, and their, or how they're um, faith is embedded in their daily lives yeah. it's just kind of a wonderful thing to see Heath don't forget the burning of the bodies by the river <laughs> yeah that was that was uh, uh, an, another one that um, that you not only saw but smelled and, and <laughs> everything else and so um, that, that's a, definitely a once in a lifetime probably thing that you'll ever see for sure Yep, I agree. I, I, I would just uh, wrap it up by saying I think this group here, you know, one thing that is, is it's maybe a given, but not uh, I'll say it, uh, you know, I've, I've heard pastors say and people say, you know, you you are the five people you surround yourself with. And when I look at these other three people that went and include Sabine in that and even the two porters that went with us, um, I, I would say that um, the those people are the kind of people I want to surround myself with. Nobody said, I want to quit. Nobody said this sucks. Nobody was saying, you know, negative things. It was a very positive. We were all a little bit in awe of most, you know, many of the things we saw. So I, I think it's important for people listening as well, surround yourself with the people you want to be like and uh, get rid of the people you don't want to be like, because every day we get to make a choice and we get to make a choice about the people we surround ourselves so surround yourselves with positive, encouraging, Christ-like people, because that's who I want to be like. And that's Kevin, that's Heath, and that's Terry. So I think that's important. Well, Ruva, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Terry, thank you, Heath. 
Kevin, we appreciate it. Uh, this has been a fun little podcast on do hard stuff. So thanks for everybody for listening in. And until the next adventure, we'll see you soon. Thank you.